Chapter 57, Part 2 of The Pharaoh and the Priest This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Reed All Day. The Pharaoh and the Priest by Boleslaw Pruce. Translated by Jeremiah Curtin. Chapter 57, Part 2 The unfortunate officer soon showed himself. He fell with his face to the earth and then kneeling and sighing, continued. I pray every day it is rising and setting to Re Hamanches, and to Abon, and Re, and Pa, and to other gods and goddesses, for thy health, O sovereign of Egypt, that thou live, that thou have success, and that I might see even the splendor of thy heel. Authentic. What does he wish? asked the pharaoh of Tutmosis, observing etiquette for the first time. His holiness is pleased to inquire what thy wish is, repeated Tutmosis. The deceitful Unanna, remaining on his knees, turned toward the favorite and said, Thou art the ear and eye of the land, thou givest delight and life. Hence I will answer thee, as at the judgment of Osiris. I have served in the priest's regiment of the divine Isis ten years. I have fought six years on the eastern boundary. Men of my age are commanders of thousands, but I am only a centurion. I receive blows of sticks at command of the God-fearing priests. And why is such injustice done me? In the daytime I think of books, and at night I read them, since the fool who leaves books as quickly as a gazelle takes to flight is of low mind. He is like the ass which receives lashes, like the deaf man who does not hear, and with whom one must speak with his fingers. In spite of my love for science, I am not puffed up with my own knowledge, but I take counsel with all. For from each man it is possible to learn something, and I surround with my esteem worthy sages. The pharaoh moved impatiently, but listened on, knowing that an Egyptian considered garrulousness as his duty and the highest honor to superiors. This is what I am, said Unanna. In a strange house I look not at women. I give my attendants to eat what is proper, but when my turn comes I dispute not about the division. I have a face which is satisfied at all times and in presence of superiors I act respectfully. I never sit in the presence of an older man standing. I am not forward, and without invitation I go not into other men's houses. I am silent, touching that which my eyes see, for I know that we are deaf to men who use many words. Wisdom teaches that the body of a man is like a granary full of various objects. Therefore, I choose at all times the good that is in me, and express it. I keep the bad shut up in my person. The deceits of other men I repeat not. And as to that which is committed to me, I always accomplish it in the best manner possible. And what is my reward? Finished Yunana, raising his voice. I suffer cold. I go in rags. I am not able to lie on my back. It is so beaten. I read in books that the priestly order rewards valor and prudence. Indeed, that must have been at some other time, and very long ago, for the priests of today turn from men of ability and drive, strength and valor, out of the bones of officers. I shall fall asleep in presence of this man, said the pharaoh. Unanna, said Tutmosis, his holiness is convinced that thou art expert in books, but tell now, in as few words as possible, what thy wish is. An arrow does not go so quickly to its mark as my request will fly to the divine feet of his holiness, replied Unanna. 
the service of the shaven heads has so disgusted me. The priests have filled my heart with such bitterness that if I am not transferred to the army of the pharaoh, I shall pierce myself with my own sword, before which the enemies of Egypt have trembled more than one time and more than a hundred times. I would rather be a decurion, nay, a simple warrior of his holiness, than a centurion in priestly regiments. A pig or a dog may serve them, but not a believing Egyptian. Unana uttered the last words with such mad anger that the pharaoh said in Greek to Tutmosis, Take him to the guard. An officer who does not like the priests may be of use to us. His holiness, the lord of both worlds, has given command to receive thee into his guard, repeated Tutmosis. My health and life belong to our lord. May he live through eternity, exclaimed Unana, and he kissed the footstool beneath the feet of the pharaoh. Unana, now made happy, moved backward, falling on his face after every couple of steps, and left the tent, blessing his sovereign. His garrulousness irritated me, said Ramses. I must teach Egyptian soldiers and officers to speak briefly, not like learned scribes. May the gods grant that to be his only failing, whispered Tutmosis, on whom Yunana had made a bad impression. Ramses summoned Samentu. Be at rest, said he to the priest. That officer who came after thee was not following. He is too stupid for commissions of that sort. But a heavy hand may be used in case of necessity. Well, now tell me what inclined thee to such cautiousness. I know, almost, the road to the treasure chambers in the labyrinth, said Samentu. The pharaoh shook his head. That is a difficult task, said he in a low voice. I ran an hour through various halls and corridors, like a mouse chased by a cat, and I confess that not merely did I not understand that road, but I could not have even escaped from the place unattended. Death in the sunlight may be pleasant, but death in those dens, where a mole would lose its way? Brr. Still, we must find that road and master it, said Samantu. But if the overseers themselves give the necessary part of the treasure, inquired the pharaoh, they will not do that while Mefri's Herhor, and the confederates are living. Believe me, sovereign, the question for those dignitaries is to roll thee in swaddling clothes like an infant. Ramses grew pale from anger. Unless I wind them in chains, how wilt thou discover the way? Here in Abydos, in the grave of Osiris, I found the whole plan of the road to the treasure, said Samantu. But how didst thou learn that? It was here. Inscriptions in my temple of Set explain that to me. When didst thou find the plan? When the mummy of thy eternally living father, O Holiness, was in the temple of Osiris. I accompanied the revered relics, and while on night service in the hall of repose, I entered the sanctuary. Thou shouldst be a general, not a high priest, cried Ramses, laughing. And now thou understandest the way of the labyrinth? I have understood it this long time. Now I have taken indications for guidance. Canst thou explain it to me? Of course, at the right time. I will even show thee a plan, Holiness. That way, continued Samentu, passes in zigzags, four times through the whole labyrinth. It begins on the upper story and ends in the lowest place underground, and has a number of other twists. That is why it is so long. And how couldst thou go from one hall to another, when there is such a multitude of doors in them? On every door leading to the object, there is a portion of this sentence. Woe to the traitor! who tries to penetrate the supreme secret of the state, and to stretch forth a sacrilegious hand 
toward the treasure of the gods, his remains will be like offal, and his soul, torn by its sins, will wander without rest through dark places. And that inscription does not terrify thee? But holiness, does the sight of a Libyan spear terrify thee? Threats are good against common people, but not against me, who am able himself to write curses still more dreadful. The pharaoh fell to thinking. Thou art right, said he. A spear will not harm him who knows how to ward it off, and a deceitful road will not lead astray the sage who knows the word of truth. But how wilt thou manage to make stones in the wall move apart before thee, and columns change into doors of entrance? Semantu shrugged his shoulders contemptuously. In my temple, replied he, there are imperceptible entrances, even more difficult to open than those in the labyrinth. Whoso knows the key to a mystery can go everywhere, as thou hast said justly, O Holiness. Ramses rested his head on his hand and continued thinking. I should be sorry, said he, if misfortune were to meet thee on the way. In the worst event, I shall meet death, and does not death threaten even a pharaoh? Besides, didst thou not march to the Soda Lakes boldly, though thou wert not sure of returning? And Lord, think not, continued the priest, that I must pass over the same distance as other men who visit the labyrinth. I shall find nearer points, and in the course of one prayer to Osiris, I can reach a place which thou wouldst only reach after thirty prayers. But are there other entrances? There are, most assuredly, and I must find them. I shall not enter as thou didst, by the main gate or in the daytime. How then? There are external doors which I know and which the wise overseers of the labyrinth leave unguarded. In the court, the watchers are not numerous, and they trust so much to the care of the gods, or to the fear of the people, that they sleep in the night time most frequently. Besides, the priests go to pray in the temple three times between sunset and sunrise, but the guards perform their devotions in the open air. Before one prayer is finished, I shall be in the edifice. And if thou go astray, I have a plan. But if the plan is imperfect, asked the pharaoh, unable to hide his anxiety. But holiness, if thou obtain not the treasures of the labyrinth, if the Phoenicians change their minds and refuse the promised loan, if the army be hungry and the hopes of the common people be deceived, be pleased to believe me, Lord, continued the priest, that I, amid the corridors of the labyrinth, shall be safer than thou in thy kingdom of Egypt. But the darkness, the darkness, and the walls which one cannot break through, and the depth, and those hundreds of ways in which he who enters must lose himself. Believe me, Semitu, a battle with men is amusement, but a conflict with darkness and doubt, that is dreadful. Holiness, answered Semitu, smiling, thou dost not know my life. At the age of twenty-five, I was a priest of Osiris. Thou? asked Ramses with astonishment. I, and I will tell at once why I passed to the service of Set. They sent me to the peninsula of Sinai, to build a small chapel for miners. The labor of building continued six years. I had much free time and wandered among mountains, examining the caves in them. What have I not seen in those places? Corridors so long that it took hours to pass through them. Narrow entrances through which if a man passes, he must crawl on his stomach. Chambers so immense that in each a whole temple might find room sufficient. I saw underground rivers, lakes, crystal chambers, dens totally dark, 
in which no man could see his own hand, again others in which there was so much light as if a second sun had been shining there. How often have I been lost in countless passages? How often has my torch gone out? How often was I approaching on unseen precipice? I have passed many days in subterranean places, living on parched barley, licking the moisture from wet rocks, not knowing whether I should ever see this upper world again. But I gained experience, my vision grew sharp, and even I came to love those underground regions. And today, when I think of the childish recesses of the labyrinth, I am ready for laughter. Edifices built by men are like molehills when compared with the immense structures reared by those silent and invisible earth spirits. But once I met a dreadful thing which brought me to change my position. West from the quarries of Sinai is a group of ravines and mountains among which subterranean thunders are heard frequently. The earth trembles and flames are seen sometimes. I was made curious, so I went there for a longer visit. I sought, and thanks to an inconsiderable opening, I discovered a whole chain of immense caves, under the arches of which it would be possible to place the largest pyramid. When I wandered into those places, I was met by a smell of putrefaction, a smell so strong that I wished to flee from it. But, conquering myself, I entered the cave whence it came, and beheld, imagine, Lord, a man with legs and arms shorter by one half than ours, but thick, awkward, and with claws at their extremities. Add to this figure a broad tail, flattened at the side, indented like the comb of a cock, a very long neck, and on it a dog's head. Finally, dress this monster in armor, covered on the back with carved spikes. Now imagine that figure, standing on its feet, with arms and breast, resting against a cliff. That was something very ugly, put in Ramses. I should have killed it immediately. It was not ugly, answered Semitsu, shaking himself. For think, Lord, that monster was as tall as an obelisk. Ramses made a movement of displeasure. Semitsu, said he, it seems to me that thou didst visit thy caves in a dream. I swear to thee, holiness, by the life of my children, exclaimed the priest, that I speak truth. Yes, that monster, in the skin of a reptile, covered with a scaly armor, if lying on the ground, would with its tail be fifty paces long. In spite of fear and repulsion, I returned a number of times to that cave and examined the creature most carefully. Then it was alive? No, it was dead. Dead a very long time, but preserved like our mummies. The great dryness of the air preserved it, and perhaps some salt of the earth, unknown to me. That was my last discovery, continued Semitu. I went no more into caves, for I meditated greatly. Osiris, said I, creates lions, elephants, horses, and Set gives birth to serpents, bats, crocodiles. The monster which I met is surely a creation of Set, and since it exceeds everything known by us under the sun, Set is a mightier god than Osiris. So I turned to Set, and on returning to Egypt, fixed myself in his temple. When I told the priests of my discovery, they explained to me that they knew a great many monsters of that sort. Semitu drew breath, then continued, Shouldst thou desire to visit our temple at any time, Holiness? I will show thee wondrous and terrible beings in coffins, geese with lizards' heads and bats' wings, lizards like swans, but larger than ostriches, crocodiles three times as long as those which live now in the Nile, frogs as bulky as mastiffs. Those are mummies, or skeletons found in caves, 
and preserved in our coffins. People think that we adore them, but we merely save them from decay and examine their structure. I shall believe thee when I see them myself, replied the pharaoh. But tell me, whence could such creatures come? The world in which we live, holiness, has suffered great changes. In Egypt itself, we find ruins of cities and temples hidden in the earth deeply. There was a time when that which is now lower Egypt was an arm of the sea, and the Nile flowed through the whole width of our valley. Still earlier, the sea was here, where this kingdom is now. Our ancestors inhabited the region which the western desert has taken. Still earlier, tens of thousands of years ago, the people were not as we are. They rather resembled monkeys, but they knew how to build huts. They had fire, and they used stones and clubs in fighting. There were no horses in those days, nor bulls, while elephants, rhinoceroses, and lions were three or even four times as large as those beasts are in our time. But enormous elephants were not the first creatures. Before them lived immense reptiles, flying, swimming, and walking. Earlier than the reptiles in this world, there were only snails and fish, and before them only plants, but plants such as exist not at present. And still earlier, inquired Ramses, still earlier the earth was empty and void, and the spirit of God moved over the waters. I have heard something of this, said Ramses, but I shall not believe it till thou show me mummies of monsters which, as thou sayest, are in thy temple. With permission, holiness, I will finish what I have begun, said Samantu. When I saw that immense body in the cave at Sinai, fear seized me, and for two years or more I entered no cave of any kind. But when priests of Set explained to me the origin of such wonderful creatures, my alarm vanished and curiosity rose up in place of it. I have no pleasanter amusement today than to wander in subterranean places and search for ways amid darkness. For this reason, the labyrinth will not cause me more trouble than a walk through the pharaoh's garden. Semitu, said the sovereign, I esteem thy marvellous daring and thy wisdom. Thou hast told me so many curious things that indeed I myself have conceived a wish to examine caves, and some time I will even go with thee to Sinai. Still, I have fears as to thy conquest of the labyrinth, and in every event I will summon an assembly of Egyptians to empower me to use its treasures. That will do no harm, replied the priest, but nonetheless will my labor be needed, since Mephres and Herhor will never consent to yield the treasure. And art thou sure of success? inquired Ramses persistently. Since Egypt is Egypt, said Samatu, there has not been a man who had such means to win victory as I have. This encounter is for me not even a struggle, but an amusement. Darkness terrifies some men. I love darkness, and can even see in the midst of it. Others are unable to guide themselves among the numerous chambers and corridors. I shall do that very easily. Besides, the secrets of opening hidden doors are unknown to other men, while I know them thoroughly. Had I nothing beyond what I have recounted, I should discover the ways of the labyrinth in one month or in two. But I have besides a detailed plan of those passages, and I know the expressions which will lead me from hall to hall. What then can hinder me? Still doubt is concealed at the bottom of thy heart. Thou didst fear that officer who seemed to pursue thee. The priest shrugged his shoulders. I fear nothing and no man, replied he with calmness. But I am cautious. I provide against everything, and I am prepared even for this, that they may seize me. 
dreadful tortures would await thee in that case, whispered Ramses. No tortures. I shall open a door directly from the subterranean chamber of the labyrinth to the land of endless light. And wilt thou not be sorry for me? Why should I? I aim at a great object. I wish to occupy Herhor's place. I swear that thou shalt have it, unless I perish, added Semitu. But if I go along precipices to mountain summits, and in that wandering my foot slips and I fall, what does it signify? Thou, Lord, will care for the future of my children? Go forward, said Ramses. Thou art worthy to be my foremost assistant. End of chapter 57, part 2